I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The Telegraph. Telegraph. Podcasts. Would you wear a t-shirt that said Mother, Strong Girls Club, or Mother Like No One's Judging on the front? Do you already have all three? I'm Emily Cronin, and this is Fashion Unzipped. With me in the studio are Charlie Gowans-Eglinton. Hi. And Victoria Moll. Hiya. Thanks for joining us. Later today, we'll explore the new wave of mum merch. But first, Nando Donna, Baby Mamas, and Beyonce in charge. It must be time for the September issues. The most important magazine issues of the year have started dropping beginning with a very pregnant Slick Woods on the cover of LUK. Woods, the 21-year-old model who's one of Rihanna's favorites, is due to welcome her first child in September. And my personal favorite detail from the cover profile is that singer Erica Badu, a practicing doula, will be there to guide Woods through childbirth. And then the first of the international Vogues to debut is Vogue Italia with Madonna on the cover. And an incarnation that, Vic, you've dubbed Nando Donna Nando slash Donna, Fade Donna, Donna, Soccer Donna. She's a soccer mom now. Yeah, what That's it, what you need to know. Top line Madonna soccer mum. Who knew that? And is 60. Okay, yeah, she's 60 and yet has a completely unlined face. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, nature's been mm-hmm. very kind to her. She is a wonder. Nature. <laughs> Dr. Zismore. <laughs> we don't know. We don't know. Well, tell us more about, about Madonna's um, photo era. So her, Well, so Madonna, I mean, you may not know this, she moved to Lisbon about a year or so ago. She did that very quietly, didn't she? It was quite under the radar. Um, but not if you live in Lisbon, because a very good friend of mine is uh, is Portuguese. And um, her sister lives in Lisbon. And so Madonna's been there for a year. The reason she went there is because her eldest adopted son, David Bander, wants to be a pro footballer. And so she wanted to get him into a really good soccer academy. Sorry, I'm going to do really bad American accents every time I say soccer. Sorry. Um, and so she wanted to get him into a football academy. And obviously America's like rubbish at football. So she had to come to Europe. And she looked at Barcelona and Turin and settled on Lisbon for many reasons. I don't know. So that's why she's there. She's there because he's at football school. And the other little adopted children, Mercy James and the twins, uh, who were called Stella and Esther, also there. Um, and so she went round uh, my my friend's sister's school with her entourage um, to check it out. And apparently she had, there was a little guy there holding a parasol for her. So, you know, it's, it's you know, low-key, but Amazing. Madonna low-key. But So she's done the cover of Italian Vogue, ostensibly to celebrate her 60th birthday, which was shot by Merton Marcus on a day, a day out, one day out of life in Lisbon with Madonna. Driving a horse-drawn carriage. Driving her carriage with her beautiful children in white, skipping through um, a maze. So it, it wasn't staged, obviously. This was just just they just they just yeah they just, they just rocked up on an average Monday, yeah. minutes notice. Yeah, I mean you know. I just really hope that David Cash. Banda is actually good at it and enjoys it. But David Banda <laughs> could be the next Christian Ronaldo. I mean that's kind of what. Yeah, yeah. For playing for Madonna FC, starting every time. Yeah. <laughs> 
So yes, yeah, so in the in the piece, it's 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 very good. You must read it. You know, she talks about the sort of trials of being a soccer mom and having to like you know go to practice, pick him up. You never know when the game's going to be. It might change. Maybe it's at twelve. Maybe it's at five. She's also quite funny on um, the pace of life in Lisbon, which is somewhat slower than the pace of life she's perhaps used to in New York, and staff not turning up. Oh, don't you hate that? It's a shocker. Um, <laughs> But yeah, but she's all she's got into Fardo, which is the sort of quite haunting Portuguese folk music, I guess is kind of what you call it. It's there's a lot of wailing. But as one of it is very beautiful. But they traditionally in Portuguese houses, um there's an area in Lisbon, I can't remember what it's called, is it Alfama? I think. Yes, the Alfama, the really Alfama. hilly old town. Yeah, part. the old yeah. the old oldie bit. And in there The part ooh. that's really far from the place with the custard tarts. Mm-hmm. You don't want to yeah. get too far from there to know. Um so all the Fardo singers and musicians at, at night at like 11 o'clock all start up in their living rooms and you can just go and drop in and listen and you know feel mildly depressed and and join in and so madonna's actually been doing that and my my spies in lisbon tell me she has just rocked up to these fardo nights joined in and now all these musicians are playing on her new album which fardo inspired i mean lisbon is really cool john malkovich lives there too and he has this like this restaurant i didn't know he did yeah did i know no i didn't know it's um well it's it's cheap they have peri peri chicken like on tap and again custard tarts so you know you maybe we should all move to Lisbon I mean it's great it is it is the new hipster hipster weekender I would say it's where people are moving instead of Berlin it's the new but it's the new Berlin yeah. which Madonna knows because she's Madonna and she knows everything lovely weather you know by the coast great what could be bad good soccer academies. that's Vogue Italia but the one that we're all waiting for is American Vogue and this is for so many reasons and historically it's the biggest issue of any year there's even a documentary named after it but this year we've also heard rumor upon rumor that editor-in-chief Anna Wintour is planning to retire after the publication of the September issue why might now look like a good time to step down? Well, Wintour's been editor-in-chief of Vogue for 30 years, a long time by anyone's estimation. She's seen the publishing industry weather sweeping changes, especially in recent years. Uh, key members of her team are retiring, or sorry, stepping down to become contributing editors, in the cases of fashion director Tony Goodman and executive fashion editor Phyllis Posnick. If this September issue is to be her last, what might it look like? Huffington Post has reported that the cover star is none other than Beyonce and that she negotiated unprecedented control. Sources said that Vogue agreed to give Beyonce full control over the cover, the inside images and the captions, which she wrote herself. In longhand, apparently. In longhand. (laughs) She doesn't type. She also hired the photographer Tyler Mitchell, who was 23 years old, and if the rumours are true, will be the first black photographer to shoot a Vogue cover in the magazine's 126-year history. This is all unconfirmed, of course, but isn't that staggering? That's, that a cr- that's crap, isn't it, if it's true? It, if it is true, I f- it is completely shocking and obviously overdue to bring some diversity to the... Behind the camera, not just, yeah, I mean. But I do think it's the power that Beyonce has now. The last time Beyonce was on an American Vogue September issue cover was in 2015. And she didn't give an interview. And she's not giving an Mm. interview now. So, you know, what they're getting from her is a cover shoot that she is... Dictating. Dictating, completely styling. You know, she isn't obviously going to be thinking, oh, we need to get such and such advertiser shot or put this on the cover or will that work well on newsstands? It's just completely 
what she wants to do, what she wants to wear. You know, she might do eight Gucci looks for all that they know. Mm. And it's just crazy, that level of um, control. This to me really points to the the complete power imbalance and shift in in power. Um, That's exactly what I was going to say. It's the you know the celebrity is 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 all now, and the power of magazines, and even the you know the sort of authority of American Vogue is on the wane. Which uh, it, that is you know a big shift, and maybe with Anna Wintour going, it's um, this is all quite demonstrable of that. If you know, because remember in the September issue, I always remember when they had you know Sienna coming in for her cover shoot, and she goes into the office and she tries on the looks, and it's a whole prepared thing, and it's all very orchestrated by Vogue, um, which as someone who's worked on, uh, should we say, lesser magazines than American Vogue, that that is a rare thing. Like, you don't do a cover shoot and get your cover stuff. You know, you get your six hours on set, including interview, the end. No, no. So for them to be able to, you know, pull rank and be like, this is American Vogue, you're coming into the office and you're going to stand there behind this, you know, old colorama while we try things out. That was a real show of might, I think, of what they could get people to do. As but opposed that, to Beyonce when she unveiled her own twin pregnancy shoot and it got Beyonce so many millions of hits. Yeah, no magazine. Maybe she is the content creator. She, she doesn't need. She doesn't need the magazine. They need. I mean, mm. I think maybe this is Wintour's way of kind of throwing up her hands and say and ending an era, ending an era where the magazine controlled everything, where the editor of the magazine controlled everything, and kind of paving the way for a new era where things might be a bit different. Well, if you look at, I mean, it's happening everywhere. At British Vogue, who knows how much they pushed, but when they had Taylor Swift on the cover, she didn't give an interview either. She wrote Mm. a poem. She wrote a poem. Well, I I heard that um, that was her poem was touted around a few other magazines. Did you? Pre-Vogue. I did hear that. Oops. And they were like, we don't want your rubbish poem, Taylor. (laughs) (laughs) But this is something else like, you know, if you think about the magazines that can command time and opportunities for real meaty profiles, it's dwindling. Like maybe last week I would have said Vogue, maybe not now, Vanity Fair, The New Yorker, which doesn't have people on the cover, but there's such prestige there that it's still it's still there. New York Times Magazine. I mean, who here read the Gwyneth Paltrow profile from the weekend? Oh, oh my God, Goop. Oh, can we talk oh, about that? <laughs> please, can we talk about it? I'm upset. She's mad, isn't she? Well, mad, but a mad genius. I'm so, it's one of those where I'm so proud of and in awe of and jealous of the writer. Oh my God, you have to, to read that. that piece. You have to read it. I mean, it's just, it's by Taffy. I'm going to completely mingle your name, Taffy. Sorry. Taffy Brodeser Anchorer, maybe. And um, she got unbelievable access to Gwyneth. She went to a talk that Gwyneth did at Harvard Business School. She made dinner, like some kind of clam pasta with Gwyneth. In her house. In her house. While her Apple kids. strummed gently on her guitar. Yeah, well, Apple played guitar. Like George Harrison. Well, Chris Martin and, you know, oh, yeah, Chris was GP fiance, Brad Falchuk were there. She went to the Goop Summit. And the whole article was just a masterclass, and I'm sure will be taught in journalism courses for for a long time. But it also pointed to the power, you know, who holds the power? Like, who negotiated this interview setup? Who needed it more? Because, you know, Gwyneth didn't really need it. But I think it's amazing because you're reading it and how Goop began, that she just wanted to create this newsletter that told people, you know, if she'd met this 
assistant on a shoot in London and she asked them where the best coffee was from and you know she was in New York and she asked yeah it was like a guide wasn't it yeah to take it from that to take it from just her recommendations to this huge business that's worth so much money and in a way it's crazy that it's worth so much money because a lot of the things that she features are laughable to most of us you know there's a level of luxury her Christmas gift guide is always completely bonkers. It's all about insecurity, though. It's all about, you know, well, if you don't have this, then try this completely unproven, untested thing for $500. But my favourite fact was that every time... Um, if you, Do you follow Dr. Jen Gunther, Gunther on Twitter, who is a very, very sharp... Uh, well, she's a, she's a gynecological... What do you call them in America? She's an OBGYN gyno. So she's a real doctor who does very great um, sort of takedowns, but it's a bit cleverer than that, kind of explaining why everything on Goop is complete nonsense Debunking. and to ignore she, she it. Debunks. She debunks in a very sharp, clever way. Um, but every time she debunks and goes, what a load of rubbish, you don't need to steam your vagina, for heaven's sake, or shove a jade crystal up it or whatever... Or um, solid gold solid, vibrators, I think. Yeah. Was one of the Christmas. Um, you don't have one? Not yet, Emily, but I mean, perhaps. Oh, it's perhaps a gifting opportunity for someone. Will, you know, force me to buy one. <laughs> but but the, neg- the negative press of everyone going, Gwyneth, you're mental, um, gets her more people and sells her more vagina eggs. It's true. And, and the truth is, if you go searching for something wackadoo, you might leave with a really nice peacoat, and that makes her money too. You can read about Madonna's Vogue Italia cover on the site now, and we'll keep you updated with anything that we learn about Anna Wintour, Beyonce, American Vogue, etc. as well. Visit telegraph.co.uk slash fashion for more. In other photography news, last week the Pirelli calendar unveiled its 2019 cast and concept. If you aren't familiar with the calendar, it's the Italian tyre company's annual photo calendar. And over 50 plus years, it's evolved from being a limited edition pin-up calendar to a lavishly produced collector's edition. Photographers who shop for it include, well, everyone. Richard Avedon, Arthur Elgort, Herb Ritz. And lately, Pirelli has tried to distance itself from its pin-up past by creating issues calendars. So in 2016, Annie Leibovitz shot women of distinction with their clothes on, Everyone except for Amy Schumer, who insisted on getting naked. It's hilarious. Then Peter Lindbergh produced a mostly makeup-free series of black-and-white portraits of middle-aged stars, no boobs in sight. And for 2018, photographer Tim Walker and editor Edward Enenful collaborated on the first all-black retelling of Alice in Wonderland, starring Naomi Campbell and Adwa Abwa. For the 2019 calendar, photographer Albert Watson shot narrative stories around four women. Model Gigi Hadid, as a wealthy but isolated Manhattanite, Ballerina Misty Copeland as an aspiring ballerina who strips to pay her rent. Model Letitia Castor as a would-be painter. And actress Julia Garner as a botanical photographer who wants to take portraits. Possibly for the Pirelli calendar, we don't know yet because <laughs> we won't see it until November. But what's wrong with this picture? Oh, this made me so uncomfortable. The only black casting in this year's is, is this couple and Misty Copeland who is... This amazing ballerina. She's the first African-American ballerina to rise to the highest rank at the ABT, which is principal dancer. And they've cast her as a... She's a stripper. She's... she's uh, ugh, The pictures... She's kind of squatting. She's in these kind of plastic platform shoes and she's, she's dropping a squat and she's got this 
you know, hair blowing behind her, and it made me really uncomfortable. Why is she a stripper who is struggling to pay her rent? Why couldn't she be, a, you know, a dance teacher teaching kids or something? I don't know. Why is Gigi Hadid a wealthy but bored socialite? Because she said no to the stripper storyline. It just made me really uncomfortable. And, and also a male photographer, which is, you know, not that no male photographer can ever shoot anything again, but can we bear in mind that the Pirelli calendar has been shot by Testino, Weber, Richardson, men with allegations against them of sexual abuse, sexual harassment, you know, allegations, but still, couldn't we have had a woman? And couldn't we have had a storyline for the, for the only black woman cast where she's not a stripper? Sidebar, apparently they shot on location at a strip club and the proprietor was there and he was so impressed that he asked the photographer if Misty was available to actually come do a shift that night. Oh, well. Like, didn't get it at all. Oh, I mean, th- there is a degree of this is Pirelli. There has to be some titillation there. Do you know the funny thing about Pirelli? A while ago, I went over to interview the girls from the Pirelli calendar, which was shot by Stephen Mizell and styled by Corinne Reutfeld. And it was all it was all latex. Um, it was a bit S&M-y. It, it was very raunchy and very sexy. I mean, it's kind of fabulous. Could, very glossy. Like very glossy. Um, it was all bondage themed, you know. Um, I mean, Corinne's French, you know, fair enough. Um, and it had Candice Huffine in it and a very young Gigi Hadid. But the interesting thing about that was... The women behind the Pirelli calendar, the women who work for Pirelli, and now Pirelli's obviously a tyre company, and so one part of the office of Pirelli where they make the tyres is in, oh, I don't know, somewhere in rural England, it's in Birmingham or somewhere like that, can't remember. Um, Anyway, so there's a woman who works there who's like, then must have been in her 60s, and then there's these women who work in the Milan office who, again, are older women, and if you met them... Um, for example, one of them was wearing a jumper with a sort of tapestry dog on it. And this was pre-Alessandro Michele at Gucci. So in a very mum. <laughs> You're you saying know. it wasn't a 2,000 pound jumper? What I'm saying tournament. is, hilariously, the women who run the show, who book the photographers, who do all the logistics behind pulling the calendar together, are these cosy, very sweet, like mummy figures. And they're showing you these pictures of, you know... Gigi Hadid astride something in latex and it was it was quite a riveting eye-opener and it's just this huge weird marketing thing that no one really it sort of exists to exist almost because you can't buy it it gets sent out to special VIPs and there's a limited number of and you, them and no one knows how you get on the list no one knows how you get so it's this kind of weird thing and you I mean obviously it must add a gloss to Pirelli the company that they you know they have that sort of sexy I don't know whatever it is gloss but it's it's an interesting it's a weird thing it's weird well the reason that the photographers continue to say well, yes such and, a major and jump thing. at the chance is because it is a huge budget I mean like yeah, yeah, limitless yeah, yeah. budget project where they have complete creative control they get to work with whoever they want they get to pay back so many favors and then they have this this document which is you know promoted from like july through december with their name attached to it Mm. so it is it's become a weird coup and for the models it's a coup to be in it or the people in it because it's this it's sort of 
it's a self-fulfilling thing for I just Pirelli, thought, I think. This year I was just disappointed. I just thought it was tone deaf to have yeah. a 76-year-old white male photographer yeah, read the room, a Pirelli. of this amazing black woman who's an athlete who, you know, has risen to the top of her profession and she's been studying ballet since she was 13 or something. You know, her mother's a nurse. There's there's no part of her background that reflects this story. It has nothing to do with her. That's just what's been projected onto her. Let's mm-hmm. get the 76-year-old white man to take a picture of this black woman dressed as a stripper. But uh, to be devil's advocate, I would say we have to give her some of her own agency and she did agree to do it. Yeah. She's not, she's not um, you know, no. an, an impressionable but when you, 15-year-old model who's just doing what she's been told to, you know, get a break. But then as a woman picking up the calendar, looking at those pictures, it's, it's what I saw. So yeah, how, no, how no, many, I'm not condoning it, but I'm saying... young girls are going to go, oh, why is, why is the only black woman in this a stripper? Well, yeah. The, but the should she take bad. responsibility for agreeing to do it? That's the thing. As much as Pirelli and the photographer and the concept, should we say, do women have more of a responsibility to not put themselves in those positions? If, if you're a woman of some agency and authority in control of making your professional decisions... And maybe she wanted to. I mean, I've, I've interviewed Misty Copeland. She came across as someone who was in complete control mm. of every aspect of her image. One of the most poised people I've ever sat across from. I mean, she, she basically answered every question with a chapter of her autobiography. Maybe she thought it would be fun and, and didn't want to think about the responsibility. In any event, I agree that like the optics are bad. Maybe next year have the Pirelli calendar be a showcase for emerging women female photographers. Maybe that would be a good idea. Mm. Free idea, Pirelli. Lovely idea. Uh, and and we'll see what they do. But in any event, we won't see the pictures until November when I'm sure that we will bring you as many of them as we are able. <laughs> so we couldn't record this episode without at least touching on Love Island, everyone's favorite show or favorite show to hate on at least. Monday Night's Live Final attracted 3.6 million viewers eager to see whether Danny and some guy, or some other girl and some other guy, would take home the £50,000 prize. And true love. Can you tell I don't watch? But actually, I, I, I did watch a little bit <gasps> last night because it was on. Sure. You know? Um, and also because if you're going to engage with the show at all, now is the time. And oh my god, guys, the clothes! I mean, there was one girl, her name is Megan, who's boobs were wearing something that was supposed to be a dress but really uh, not really wearing at all it wasn't cleavage it was a boob frame it was a boob frame it was a black boob frame Mm. yes Mm -hmm. and she pulled it off pretty much but like is this the aspirational dressing ideal in the uk right now because if so we are doing something wrong it is emily because i'll share with you a statistic (laughs) (laughs) list the global fashion search engine saw 50,000 outfit searches for Megan and her now boyfriend Wes, who she met on the show, and 8,000 people searched for a crochet top that Megan wore within 48 hours. People are going mad for the stuff. It's like a huge business. I mean, it's obviously a very niche market, and there are kind of, a, it's a very particular customer, not Who's, least in terms of customer? body image. Because um, not everyone looks like that. Not everyone looks like that. I think it is partly women that look like that, but also you know some of them are wearing coordinated denim looks and yellow bikinis and you don't have to be 
you know, we're not all going to go to a beach club and put on a skyscraper wedge to wear with it. Um, but I think for young women, and I think this is young women, I think it's probably late teens, early 20s, this is aspirational. And this is accessible because actually for once you're looking at a celebrity because these are celebrities to them on tv and you can afford the clothes you know they're 14 pounds from misguided it's not they're not wearing gucci like beyonce you can buy it this is where it was really interesting to me from like a fashion sociology perspective (laughs) the adverts because the show would go to the ad break and then there would be this kind of slow-mo kind of soft porn like grindy type advert um, of a girl wearing, you know, I don't know, different kinds of swimwear with with her boobs hanging out, which just doesn't make sense. People, you need your boobs to be hanging just out. Just go topless. Was a weird trend to emerge. A from weird this, trend. This and, show. and it was every every time I'd be watching this, I'd be like, I can't look away. But like, what what is this for? Are they going to say like go to like xtube.com? And it was for another like fast fashion retailer mm. that I've never heard of. Everybody made fun of me when I said that I was watching this year for the first time because I felt like I needed. To to be able to join in the conversation Mm -hmm. and I needed to know what everyone was talking about. I'm apparently not the only one that thought so since the Conservative Party, this is my favourite news of the week, everyone, I have to get it in. The Conservative (laughs) Party (laughs) launched a little, oh, to try and get younger voters in. They are offering free Love Island water bottles. Now, I must point out, these are not authorised Love Island water bottles and there's been a bit of a trademarking row, but... Basically, they put this thing up on the website that said, you know, join us, join the Conservative Party, give us your data, and you will get a Love Island water bottle that says, don't let Corbyn mug you off. Getting mugged off is a phrase from Love Island. Oh, right. Okay. Basically when someone Has Theresa you. got one? There wasn't one for Team A. Uh, but on the site, it used hashtags like... Boris. but Boris likes Don't that. be a melt. Uh, it was just what's a melt the most a melt is like someone like when you go all gooey because you actually like someone and oh, you kind of not a ham and cheese <laughs> it kind of they make sense these phrases but I just thought this was hilarious we're I mean, so old they've had to they've had to take <laughs> down loads of the stuff from their website because they were it was a trademark infringement um, but I just thought this was hilarious that the Conservative Party they put it up on Instagram as well get your free love I'd love, water I'd love to have been in the meeting when all the old farts sat down thought <laughs> that was like, a good idea they're probably like me like oh it was just on TV I wasn't watching it but do you think we should do some brand <laughs> somebody must Let's have watched jump it on that to band get those wagon. phrases from it to get you you know, mug you off and don't be a melt. Someone was watching. Oh, someone who's been Maybe fired. Team A is a secret fan. So during maternity leave, Vic, you made a number of discoveries while absentmindedly scrolling through social media. And one of those was the world of Instagram momfluencers. Yeah, I did. Tell I us did. About it. I mean, I'm slightly, I am secretly slightly obsessed with the Mumstagram gang. Um, it's, I, I, you know, it's, love hate I don't know I don't know I you know when you have a baby a new one you have a lot of time to just sit on your sofa and you've only got one hand because you're always feeding your child or doing something so you have one hand free which you can you know eat snacks with or scroll on your phone or change channels on the telly but the the mumstagram world is it's quite riveting as well because you know there's all the big ones like mother of daughters and um, mother pucker she's local to me actually you know it's very lucrative the old mum world and the the influencer land and the the kind of lucrativeness of it. I mean, I know of this 
um, she's an American sort of fashiony it girl. Well, she lives in LA. And her agent said to her after she got married, she said, look, the next, the next cash cow you need to get in on is the mum. You need to have a baby and get, get the mum log, get the mum crowd, get the mum money. Really? She now, she sells um, nappies, formula, which I don't think you could probably do here. You probably couldn't sell formula here. She was doing sanitary towels at one point. Oh, I've actually heard of someone who got approached by one of the mega influencers who said... You're so cute. You're married. If you get pregnant, I'll sign you to model my mater- my forthcoming maternity line. Yeah. Did she get pregnant? Yes. It, it was she already planning on getting pregnant, or did that, she get pregnant to model set? My, my knowledge Who can doesn't say? extend that who can far, say? Charlie. But but it's a whole thing. But okay. So who, okay, is, who so, are the big players here, and how so are they making money? That's that's the backdrop. So that the backdrop is as a whole mum world on Instagram, and then within that, there are lots of women who are making money out of it you know not necessarily huge amounts some smaller some are doing very well and one of the things that I discovered was this mum merch as it's dubbed um, which at first I was very cynical and very eye-rolling about and a part of me still is it's lots of t-shirts sweatshirts bags that say things like mother like no other and strong girls club and um, sort of parenting lols um, you know swings and roundabouts no rest for the with kid. Yeah. It's that kind of, yeah. But within that, there's, you know, there's all these brands, motherhood, mother like no other, selfish mother. So they're all selling this. And the kind of point of it for the women that are buying them and what Instagram especially has done is create this online community of mothers. And it's women who might not live in a big city, might not live in a town, but who are in that point of motherhood where you can be very isolated and very alone and they've sort of found each other and found a community through Instagram to help each other to ask questions about weaning I don't know and also the the biggest thing that when I spoke to all these women who were in the kind of mum merch industry that the, the kind of recurring theme is the judgment you get when you become a mother which in uh, Carrie Ann who runs Mare Sir in her case she was a young single mother and she was like, my, my own family were judging me because I was 23 and I had a kid and I broke up with the dad. And blah, blah. and um, the mum merch, the essence of it is, it's this taking back of the concept of motherhood and saying, you can all think whatever you like. You can think I'm a bad mother or a good mother or uh, I should be breastfeeding or I shouldn't be doing this or I shouldn't be doing that. No, do you know what? I'm doing my best and I've printed it on a T-shirt and they all talked about being empowered by this and feeling like they were part of a group. And equally, when other women would be wearing their mother, mum merchy tops in the street, they would say hi to each other and be like, oh, you must follow blah de blah on Instagram. Oh, should we get a coffee? Oh, let's go and hang out and have our kids play. So It's a wink and a nod across the playground. Exactly. And I, I, you know, I really get that. And I did start off being cynical and eye-rolling about it and a bit like, oh, how naff. Also, I was like, why do you want to only define yourself by motherhood? Why do you just want to have mom on your T-shirt? But it's this, it's this idea of, of reclaiming it and not having people tell you how you should be a mother. It's being like, do you know what? This is how I'm doing it. And this is my nice T-shirt that I'm wearing. That's, my, I- that's my thing, though. I mean, I, I, I feel that when I'm with my kids, it's like so often it's a struggle to be seen as anything but the caregiver and yeah you don't need to emblazon it across your 
Bowden's stripey tee for everyone to know that you are the mother. And to be seen as an individual beyond that, beyond the slogan, would seem to be really the goal. But then what you're describing is kind of this, this like identification and, and women just wanting connection at any level. I saw an ad for mm. Peanut, the, the mum friends app, yeah. that said, meet as mums, connect as women. Yeah. And it, it's, it's that, isn't it? Exactly. That's exactly what it is. And Molly Gunn, who set up Selfish Mother, which is it's a great brand and it's called The Family Store. And she set it up, I think, in 2013-ish. It started off being a blog and then she made a T-shirt really for her, her blog crew. And it was all to raise charity for, for Syrian mothers. And so the, the original idea was that she just had mother put on a T-shirt as a kind of act of solidarity and to raise money for charity, which um, the brand Family Source still does. I think it's five pounds from everything they, every T-shirt or top they sell. That's amazing. They sell like John Lewis too. Yeah, I mean, they've, I think they're on course to have made a million pounds for various um, charities, wow. which is so that a lot of the brands have got a very good heart to them. Um, and for her, she said that when she had her first child and she was going to all these groups and she was like, I just felt like I didn't exist. And it was all about the baby this and the baby that, which obviously is important. But you can lose yourself within that. And it was her way of, you know, the kind of selfish mother. Like it's not if you're not OK, then you're not going to be able to look after your kids. So ultimately it's, you know, it's not just all about the baby. Um, and the other one last thing on my mum merch rant um, that I think resonates with people. It's this idea of buying something in a really authentic way. And people see these women on Instagram who have these brands and they think, I like you. I like what you're talking about. Also, I can see you wearing this T-shirt. I'm not buying it from a faceless brand that I don't know who's behind it or where it's come from. I can buy it from you. And I know that you've had it printed up by some local guy down the street when it's on a nice organic cotton fair wear t-shirt and it gets sent out in a nice package and I think there's a real momentum um, of people wanting to shop from small independents and moving away from the traditional big name retailers that's so interesting I mean Charlie I not to like make you the voice <laughs> very of the... quiet as the only non-mother in the room well, do, do you my notice... love island segment all yeah. <laughs> do you notice women wearing these and what do you think when you see someone wearing a t-shirt that says mother on it I, I, it's difficult because obviously we work in fashion. So what I wear maybe means more to me than it does for a lot of women who sometimes just shop for kind of function over form. Um, I can't imagine, I'm not much of a one for a slogan of any kind. Mm. Um, I kind of prefer a slightly more nuanced mm. message. Uh, when I get dressed. So I, I can't imagine at the moment ever wanting to kind of label myself with, you know, here I am, I'm summed up in this one phrase. Um, but then I'm not a mum. Well, you can read the full story in this Sunday's Stella magazine, free with the Sunday Telegraph and online. Tell us, would you ever wear mum merch? Email us at unzipped at telegraph.co.uk. Time for my favorite segment of this and every other week, where I get to find out what you're all doing with your free time. Charlie, what are you excited about this week? Well, you know me, it's all glamour, glamour, glamour. And today in my fast-paced life, um, I've got some new plants for my micro garden. I have a tiny balcony, basically, that is about a quarter of a size of this very small recording studio. And already on it are a fig tree and a kumquat tree. And 
Last weekend, I bought an olive tree. I bought some. Um, a Are new... these like like bonsai olive trees? No, he's <laughs> like... he's in a pot. He's sort of you know four foot five foot high. Maybe. Doesn't he need to be? Um... You know, plugged in, in Italy. the ground. No, he loves yeah, it. In Italy. He loves it. No, people keep potted olive trees everywhere. I've also got a larger pot for my tomatoes because they're thriving on the balcony. It's mm-hmm. this weather. Um, and some rosemary and lavender. Very hardy. It's quite windy on the balcony. Full sun. So, you know. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but Helen that's, that's, that's what I'll be doing when I get home, actually, tonight, because I've got to repot them at some point. It was raining over the weekend. I couldn't do it then. Do you watch Gardener's World? I don't. Should I? I think you Is should. Is this my niche? I think you'd be did into we, it. Oh, my God. Hashtag Gardener. <laughs> Hashtag Girls You Garden. I'm, I'm actually terrible. <laughs> and I sort of spend quite a lot of time apologising to my plants, and I'm being like, so sorry. I thought you had too much water, and I'm so, you look a bit shrivelly, and I'm so sorry. But, you know. I think you're going to get into Friday night Monty Don fangirldom for sure. <laughs> yeah. Vic, what about you? Um, well, I was excited. This has kind of happened, but I feel like it's... Anyway, so on uh, Monday, I went to a boxing class, which was one of the most incredible things I've ever... I just... I loved it. What made you... What compelled you to do this? Well, Good American, uh, the, um, the apparel line, um, invited me to go and do it to try out their new performance wear line which one is great because it does leggings and girls they they go like beyond the waist frankly you know when you're running and like your leggings fall down and you end up running with your hands behind you it's the worst when you're yanking your leggings yanking those leggings over your butt you do not need to do that in a good american legging that's all i'm saying anyway so they invited us to go into this boxing class at this really swishy fancy boxing private members club um, which I can't go back to because it's horrifically expensive. But the boxing lesson, Jesus. I was mean, it cathartic? It was so cathartic because you just beat this thing for like 45 minutes. Is that why you were in such a good mood? Oh, my God. I was in the best mood on Monday. And I had so much energy all day. I've actually bloodied my knuckles before in boxing. Yeah. That's how much rage I have just oh, in my day to day life. From apologizing to your oh, plants. Stop rage. doing that. It's not my plants. The plants are kind to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're going to have some great upper arm muscles. In yeah, watch case. out. Emily, how about you? Well, I'm excited to enjoy Fashion Unzipped as a listener. I'm heading off on maternity leave next week. Aww. And oh, everyone's so sad. And while I won't be in the studio, I'm really looking forward to keeping up with everything that's happening on the Telegraph Fashion Desk with my weekly hit of Fashion Unzipped. No pressure. No pressure. Charlie. You'll be running the show in my absence. I can't wait to hear what you get up to. Don't mess it up. <laughs> Steep inhale of breath. And, uh, and I'm, I'm sure that I'll find a way to coincidentally drop by during recordings. So hopefully you'll let me in. And actually, just to say, I'm not the only one taking a break. The show is going on a little hiatus for the month of August as, as we all go on leave or holiday or plant tending leave, whatever, whatever we're going to be doing. <laughs> Um, And we'll be returning with a back-to-school episode on Wednesday, 5th September, the perfect way to tee up for a month of fashion shows. I do hope that you'll join us, or rather join Charlie, Lisa, Vic, Bethan, and everyone else who pitches in. So one more time from me, thanks for listening. Check back in September for a new season of Fashion Unzipped, and I'll see you on the other side. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 